The voice of Motown, West Virginia's leader in news, analysis, and rumors, proudly presents the Voice of Motown podcast, featuring your boys, Brandon and Tyler. Take it away, gentlemen. All right, this is the Voice of Morgantown podcast. I'm Tyler Pepe. And I'm Brandon Cork, and this is WVU Sports Podcast by two suffering WVU fans. All right, guys, we recorded two podcasts tonight, so be sure to check out our recap of WVU's victory over Virginia Tech. But in this episode, we are going to break down the matchup between WVU and Texas. So let's jump right into it. The Mountaineers take on the Texas Longhorns in a night game down in Austin this Saturday. The Longhorns open as a 10-point favorite, and... um. You know, this is going to be a huge test, I think, for the Mountaineers because Texas has a potent offense with a lot of weapons. However, Texas may be without Quinn Ewers and the Mountaineers have an equally dangerous offense who can put up a lot of points. So with all that being said, what are your initial thoughts about this game? I, I If you'd asked me after week one, I would have said this is a game and, you know, before the season even started that this is a game that WB is probably going to lose. But um, for whatever reason, the Steve Sarkeesian area of Texas is kind of going as at least I, the way I thought it would go. I don't think he's a very good coach. Um, and it's just panning out that way where they went in against Alabama. They looked like they belonged. And then every game after that, it looked like they just didn't give a shit. Um, you know, <laughs> there's no other way to put it. And, you know, it's that kind of Texas program that's been – bouncing around for the past at least half decade. Um, and it's allowed teams like WVU to kind of have a, a pretty good experience, whether it's in Austin or in Morgantown, um, have, have a good record overall. So, you know, even though I still don't think West Virginia is as good as what some fans are kind of saying right now after beating Virginia Tech, um, I think some fans saw the Virginia Tech game and saw that Virginia Tech was two and one and was like, yeah, we beat a good team at their place. Um, and it was a rival um, when I don't think that's necessarily the case. I don't think WVU's bad, but I, I think it's a game like this where Texas is still trying to figure out what works for them. Um, and this is a, as good a time if ever to continue to build momentum. Um buy fans like myself back into the program and, you know, climb up the big 12 standings. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, It'll be a good test for us. And going into Austin is no easy task, but make no mistake, Mountaineer Nation, WVU can win this road game because every year the Longhorns come in with a ton of hype and every year they seem to underachieve. And here we are. Texas is sitting with a the same two and two record that West Virginia has. So um, they're coming off an upset loss. They lost uh, 37 to 34 in overtime to Texas tech. And uh, a very good question I saw on Twitter by a fellow, um, you know, West Virginia um, sports journalist. I shouldn't say fellow cause I wouldn't consider us journalists, but uh, <laughs> Mike Asti is a sports journalist who covers the Mountaineers. And he posted this question on Twitter do you feel better about this game after Texas lost to Texas Tech? And initially, 
I thought to myself, well, of course I do. They just lost. But then I thought about it a little more and thought, well, actually, this makes Texas a very desperate team because if they lose a conference game at home and drop the two and three, their season's in trouble. I mean, it might be pretty much over at that point. But ultimately, um, I, I we're in a similar situation at WVU. So I think I do feel slightly better about it because WVU is just as desperate. We've already lost a conference home game to Kansas and we don't want to be two and three either. So, um, you know, I feel like the Mountaineers do need to get a conference road win to kind of make up for that home loss. So I'll ask you the same question. Do you feel better about this game after Texas lost to Texas tech or worse? Uh, if it was any other Big 12 team other than maybe Oklahoma, I would say I would feel a little bit more worried. You know, if all the situations were the same where, you know, you started off high, you, you came down low. Because I feel like programs like Oklahoma, Texas, USC, Florida, things like that, is that things when things go bad – there's really no desperation there. It just collapses and it collapses under the weight of itself. Um, and part of that has to do with the kind of, you know, nothing against the players, but the players that you're, you're recruiting, um, you know, they're in it for the NIL money or they're in it for going pro. And they know that the second that they want to jump ship, there's going to be 130 schools knocking at the door saying they can come here. So, you know, it's not really like they're fighting for anything. They, it's just, they're at a school who, if things go right, they make a big name for themselves um, and get recognized to go pro. And if not, then they're probably still going to end up going pro and they don't have to worry about it or they get to transfer to whatever school they want to in the country. So, you know, I think these, I don't know if you want to call them blue bloods because it's more of a basketball term, but these, you know, monstrous football programs, um, their level of desperation in times like these isn't the same as the level of a school like WVU or Texas tech or Oklahoma state. Um, So that's kind of how I think about it. You know, I don't think necessarily that with the group that they have and the coaching staff that they have, that there's going to be any extra energy going into Austin. Um, It's going to be more of, you know, let's show what we can do as individuals because this season's falling apart. Yeah, and you might be right. Let's talk about some of those individuals because Texas, they do have a lot of weapons on offense. They have Bijan Robinson, Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington, and you know many more. We could keep going down the list. However, the biggest question that everyone is asking is will backup Hudson Card be playing or will Quinn Ewers return from his clavicle injury because now they're saying he could return a lot sooner than originally thought. And um, the answer to that question will certainly have a big impact on this game. So what are your thoughts on Hudson card possibly starting? He did have a solid game against WVU last year. Um, It wasn't necessarily great, but it was better than Thompson who started the first half, I believe. Um, But you know, Quinn, Quinn Ewers, I think, you know, looking at what he did in the Alabama game as a, a, redshirt freshman and not even really a truly a redshirt freshman, basically a true freshman because he left high school a year early to go to Iowa state to make a million bucks. Um, 
you know, he, he has all the requisite abilities that you're looking for in a leader. And he's someone who can really pick apart a defense and not make mistakes um, with card. You know, I, I think he's a, a really solid quarterback, but he's not someone that is just bigger than the game who can win games on his shoulders alone. I think he needs the players around him to perform as well. Um, and that's not just Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson and Xavier Worthy and everyone else that we've talked about. Um, but it also is going to rely on the offensive line. And to be honest, the offensive line for Texas hasn't really been great. You know, looking at kind of how they've graded out here, you know, you have one guy who grades out as above average and uh, everyone else who's kind of right in the middle of things. So that, that to me kind of looks like an opportunity for WVU to take control of the game. Like we did last week in, um, you know, in at Virginia Tech, and that's take control of the line of scrimmage and, you know, get in the Hudson card's face, shut down Bijan Robinson, and see what the offense can do. Because if this is anything like Texas had against Texas Tech, where, you know, they did a good job against Bijan Robinson, they, you know, even though it was a relatively high scoring game, it was, it was low enough scoring that Texas Tech could pull it out in the end, and the game was always within reach. Um, I think WVU could follow a, a similar formula just by controlling the line of scrimmage. So while skill position wise, Texas is really, really good offensive line wise, they're middle of the pack and not super impressive. Yeah, I'm with you. Their offensive line, I was, I was checking out their PFF scores and yeah, it doesn't jump off the page uh, whatsoever, really. And um, talking about Hudson card, I think he's a pretty good player, especially for a backup. Um, but obviously a healthy Quinn yours would be a big upgrade, but card is more than capable of putting up points. He's, I mean, he's proven that since he he's had to start, I think these past two games he started. And so the Mm -hmm. reason Texas lost to Texas tech was because their, their defense couldn't stop a nosebleed. They're just not very good. And they got absolutely picked apart in the second half. Um, let's take a look at cards performance against WVU last year. He had 123 yards and a touchdown going 10 for 16 before he got injured and they had to put Thompson back in. Um, he's only got two interceptions in his career on 168 attempts. That's not too bad. Um, so he's a good player, but Mm -hmm. if you really do some digging, the Longhorn offense seems to stall out in games that he plays in. Um, like I said, they, they'll put up points with card, but it seems like they do it heavily in either the first or second half. And then in the other half, um, they, they just don't put up very many. For example, last game against Texas tech, Texas scored 24 points in the first half and then only 10 in the second. And three of those 10 points had to be the last play in regulation. So they really, really stalled out against tech in the second half. Um, and so I think that's, that that's huge for WVU hearing that. Um, Cause it sounds like you just have to weather the storm for the first half and then you could have some success later. But um, ultimately the question is, would you rather play a healthy card or a banged up yours? Because he, even if he does play, he's not going to be healthy. So which one do you think gives WVU the best chance? That's a good question. I mean, I, I I would have to think that if Ewers plays, even if he is injured, that he's not injured enough where it's a big risk to 
to re-injure, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, with Card, you know, I, I think there's a reason why Card does falter more in the second half, and I'll dig into that here now. Um, looking at his passing distribution chart so far this season, um, given it's, you know, 96 snaps, which, you know, not a great sample size, but um, it's interesting when you look at it. Um, it. It's kind of predictable, and it's something that's really easy to adjust to. So um, he it, he is really, really good at throwing screens. Um, four for five behind the line of scrimmage to the left, 16 of 17 behind between the numbers, um, behind the line of scrimmage, four for four. But as you get further and further away from the line of scrimmage, you know, even at between zero and 10 yards, he's 11 of 16 um, between the numbers, uh, one for three uh, on the outside left, inside 10 yards. Um, He doesn't really throw the ball between 10 and 20 yards. He has a total of eight attempts so far on the season in that intermediate range. And when you look at him throwing deep, he is, I'm just doing the math here, five for 18 um, going deep. So, you know, obviously they're going to take shots here and there, but he's really comfortable throwing the ball behind and around the line of scrimmage. And while he does is a threat with his legs to to an extent, um, it's easy as a defense to say, okay, well, we're just going to press up in the second half. We're not going to let those receivers have that space underneath, and we're going to force card to throw the ball in areas where he's not comfortable doing it. Um, And I think that could be a symptom as to why the offenses stall out with him a little bit. Um, And and for that reason, I would probably prefer to play card because, you know, if you have someone who does have a hole in their game, um, an area where they're just, you know, just not very good, um, you can game plan around that. Where with Ewers, you know, even if he is banged up a little bit, if he can get the ball out quick, you know, his arm talent alone um, could really make a big difference because all he has to do is hit, you know, two or three big passes and game over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, that's what he's known for in just the short amount of playing time that we have seen from him is he can hit that deep ball. And so that is interesting. I didn't realize card throws short that often. Um, and that would be something you could adjust to. So it's actually all adding up. It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Um, and the guy, honestly, that we need to worry about the most on Texas's offense of, is, of course, Bijan Robinson, who, I mean, he only had 17 touches last week, 16 carries, one catch. I know 17 seems like a decent number, but Robinson is by far their best weapon. So why are you not giving that guy 20 touches a game, bare minimum? So um, I honestly expect... Texas to learn from their mistakes last week. And we're probably going to see a heavy dose of Bijan Robinson, especially if yours is out. Um, so I expect to see that in the mid to high twenties. We'll see. Um, you know, I, I would love it if they didn't, but um, Steve uh, Sarkeesian, he's definitely getting a lot of heat down in Texas and for doing stuff like this, will definitely get you criticism from the home fans so the real question to me is to win this game is how is WVU's defense going to slow down Robinson in this game? It, that's a good question. I mean, it's really going to have to be controlling the line of scrimmage and it's not just Robinson. You have to worry about either. Cause you know, 
the can start rolling with their run game. They don't have to run Robinson till his legs fall off. They have another really good running back in Roshan Johnson, um, mm-hmm. who, you know, for some way, shape, or form, I don't know. He is actually graded out as about two and a half points higher in um, run grade alone um, over Bijan Robinson. Now he's not as highly graded as Bijan um, overall, but, you know, Roshan is no slouch. He's a very good running back. And, you know, even Texas fans themselves say that their two best players are Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's not just, you know, the, you know, him, he's not just someone who comes in and spells. He's actually played 100 snaps so far this year compared to 175 for Robinson. So they use those guys interchangeably quite a bit. Um, And he's a very good back. So, you know, that's going to be the trick is making sure that that run game is shut down enough so that, you know, you can't, that, that those guys aren't just wearing you out. Because it's one thing to have a running back who can carry the ball 20, 25 times a game, and you have to just worry about him when he's out there. And then whenever he takes a breather, you take a breather. But when you have two guys, you can do it. Um, Even though our defensive line is deep, our linebacking court isn't super deep. Um, Our safeties aren't great at tackling outside of Aubrey Burke. So um, if you let those two just get some – confidence and momentum um they could really just wear you out all game long yeah i'm with you and you're right they're gonna have to control the line of scrimmage and i think the key to winning this game is wvu needs to force texas into third and five plus yard situations and completely take Bijan out of third down conversions because hopefully if you get them in that situation they're gonna force either a banged up yours or a Hudson card to throw the ball downfield a little bit to convert. Um, and so that's really, I think the key to winning for our defense. And so let's talk about the wide receivers a little bit. Cause Xavier worthy actually got hurt in the Texas tech game and missed the entire second half. Um, and so that made a noticeable difference in the Texas offense as well. I mean, that might've been why they only scored 10 in the second half. The Longhorns did receive good news. Worthy's x-ray was negative, um, so it wasn't anything major. However, as of Monday night, that's when we're recording, I haven't heard whether he'll play or not. I'm sure they'll keep that close to the vest and probably announce it closer to game day. Um, But what do you think the Mountaineers could do? Who are they going to put on him to slow him down if he is healthy and if he does end up playing? That's a good question. I mean, I, I do think that Xavier Worthy is still really, really good. I do think that he has dropped off a little bit since his first year, where last year he was just absolutely incredible. Um, this year he slowed down a little bit. Um, and, you know, part of that is, you know, defense is adjusting to what he did last year. But, um, you know, I think part of it, you know, when it comes to WVU is that, you know, you're going to have to kind of make a decision on – okay, am I okay with going one-on-one with Worthy and banking on that, you know, one, he's still a little banged up, two, you know, maybe last year was kind of a flash in the pan and we have to stop the running game, or do you want to commit more safety help over there and really just 
potentially leave yourself exposed in a certain area against the run. Um, if I had to choose, you know, I would throw guys at him at Worthy, whether it's McCormick or Ajayi or Spells or Wilson Lamp or Moon Monhad or whoever, and just figure out what works, you know, who's having success um, and try to figure out, you know, where he's going to hurt you most. So, you know, if you're worried about him beating you on screens, playing him that way, if you're worried about him beating you over the top, just let him catch things underneath and tackle. Um, you know, it, it's just going to depend on what WBU feels they're most susceptible for him. Um, they're most susceptible uh, against him. Um, so just kind of cover up your weaknesses. And I, I think WVU, for the most part, has done a solid job at times of not just getting beat deep all the time. Uh, I mean, there were times last year where, um, you know, Baylor, for example, we just couldn't figure it out. And I'm hoping this isn't one of those games where um, Texas has figured a way to, to get Xavier worthy open and take advantage of us potentially loading up the box more to stop this running game. Yeah. Um, I, I think the best way to slow him down will be the same exact way we slowed down, you know, Grant Wells and made him miss some open guys last week in the Virginia tech game is just apply pressure. I mean, you already talked about how poorly Hudson card throws the ball downfield. So if we can control that line of scrimmage, get into his face, um, you know, you won't have to cover Xavier Worthy like a glove. That'll give you a little bit of wiggle room and maybe on some of those errant throws, who knows, maybe even come down with an interception. So um, once again, I think the key to winning is if we can control the line of scrimmage or not against that Texas O-line. Let's get into the Texas defense a little bit because for all the concern that Texas's offense poses, their defense just simply does not pose a huge concern for me. And I hope I'm not eating these words next week, but um, you know, if especially their secondary Texas secondary just does not um, pose a threat to me at all. I I think West Virginia's offense is going to have success against them. Let's look at what they did last week. Texas tech ran 100 plays that game. And Texas's defense just couldn't get off the field in the second half. Um, they did apply a lot of pressure to Donovan Smith in the first half. Uh, and that and that's kind of why they had success on defense against Tech. But Smith had a pretty clean pocket in the second half. And if WVU can provide JT Daniels with a clean pocket, he's going to have a huge day. So are you pretty confident that West Virginia's offense is going to put up some big numbers against their defense? It's going to come down to, again, I mean, the, the, the battle in the trenches. I mean, I think when you look at Texas's defense, um, they have some players in the secondary that are okay. Um, particularly, they're, they're good at, you know, tackling and playing against the run. Um, but where Texas has, it seems like, all of their talent is along the defensive line. Um, their linebacking core really isn't anything to write home about. So it's really going to come down to, you know, can WVU's offensive line keep JT Daniels clean? Um, And I think they can. I I honestly do because, you know, even though this defensive line is good, we've seen this offensive line go up against good defensive lines before. And through a combination of what they're doing, as well as JT Daniels' phenomenal pocket presence, you know, we've been able to keep him upright and clean for the most part. Um, 
And then you also throw in the running backs that we've had and the ability for us to keep teams off balance with what we're doing. Um, you know, we should be able to handle that. Um, so it's just going to be about, you know, making sure that we don't make mistakes when we're throwing downfield. And um, I think we have a pretty good chance of, you know, at, at least scoring and having another 30 point game. It's just going to come down to, like we said, you know, can our defense contain Texas's superstar players um, yeah. and stop them from outscoring us? I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, their defensive line does have some names. Sweat, Coburn. I'm I'm kind of blanking on um, their defensive end because it's not a common last name. But um, I know he's talented, so apologize to that kid. But, yeah, it seems like that's where a lot of their talent is coming from. So if our O-line can have a similar day that they had against Virginia Tech, I, I think we have a really good chance of scoring a lot of points against them, which kind of brings up, you know, to their head coach. Let's talk about Steve Sarkeesian a little bit and the struggles that he has had at Texas. Um, if you look at his home and away record, he is six and three at home and one and five on the road. That includes neutral site games too, like the Oklahoma game. His only win on the road um, is, is against TCU in the past two years. So, I mean, they're not bad at home and that is where this game is being played. But um, so, some of these things that I was finding is is wild. He is two and four against Big Twelve teams when holding a double digit lead in the second half. Wow! So his, yeah, I mean that that one really kind of blew me away when I read that. Uh, his teams just seem to fall apart. They seem to not be able to put four quarters together, and um, and and so the more I keep digging into this game, and I know you shouldn't be overconfident. <laughs> Because, you know, we got the same exact record as Texas. But the more I keep digging, the the more confident I get that this is a very, very winnable game for the Mountaineers. Yeah, I definitely think it's winnable. It's going to come down to, again, kind of those key moments and how Sarkeesian manages it, how Neil Brown manages it, and who does a better job there. And that's my big question mark is, you know, which coach – is going to be the least incompetent. Um, and I, I'm not saying that to, to be rude to, to either coach, but you know, we've both, we've seen both teams have moments where they just, you know, whether it's a player making mistake that the player shouldn't be making or a coaching decision that makes you scratch your head. We've seen both coaches do that sort of thing. So, you know, can Neil Brown grow and manage a game so that, and prepare his players so that the, the game doesn't get thrown away on one play and Car- can Sarkeesian get his team to play a full four quarters. Um, it's an interesting matchup because it, it's a really important inflection point, I think for both coaches. I know we talked about how last week um, for West Virginia, Virginia tech game was Neil Brown's job and he won, he passed that test. This next one here, I think is to one, get back over 500 two um, game back trust from Mountaineer faithful and three kind of get his, you know, program back on the right track. Um, beating Texas at Texas after beating Virginia tech at Virginia tech would go a long way. I think to cooling off donors who may still be sizzling a little bit after that Kansas loss. 
Um, and then for Texas, you know, Texas doesn't give anyone a long leash. So if Sarkeesian gets a losing record, who's to say that Texas just doesn't fire him right then and there? Um, it may be premature, but this is Texas we're talking about, and everything they do is premature. So um, really, really interesting dynamics in this game, and it's going to be a fun one to watch for sure. Yeah, oh yeah, 100%. If WVU wins this game, everyone's going to be praising Neil Brown just you know three weeks after winning to have his job. So, um, but yeah, on, on the reverse, I mean, Steve Sarkeesian, he's 0-1 in the Big 12, and he's got a 500 record. If he drops this game at home, you're right. I mean, it's going to be the same deal. They're going to be calling for his job. So both coaches are very desperate um, at this point. And let's just talk about how Sarkeesian's teams, even just this season in four games, just it's so hard to figure them out. Compare the Texas performance in Alabama uh, against Alabama. It wasn't at Alabama. And compare that game um to say the UTSA or the Texas Tech performances his teams had against Texas San Antonio um Texas was tied with them at halftime at 17 they played much better in the second half pulled away look at the Texas Tech game they were up 31 to 17 in the second half completely collapsed and lost that game in overtime so um it's just wild to see that after seeing them that close to knocking off Alabama. And then they just seem completely incompetent in the next, you know, two out of their next three games. Like I I can't figure it out. And honestly, I kind of understand the frustration that his fan base has with him. Yeah. I feel like what happened was, is that they just put so much effort and time in preparing for that Alabama game. And when they couldn't pull it off, and, and partially they couldn't pull it off because Quinn Ewers got hurt. I mean, if he didn't get hurt, that's a completely different game. That's but a fair point, the, too. Yeah. And, you know, I, I. but the next two games are, you know, the next three games are still winnable. But it seems like they put all that marbles into that basket to say, we got to beat Alabama because that's going to keep my job safe, one. Two, it's also going to elevate this program up the charts. I mean, even after that loss, they are still in the top 25. Um, but you know, it, it's about how you, how you bounce back And West Virginia, you know, even though the last two opponents that we've played have been underwhelming, I guess would be the right thing to say. Um, we still bounced back after that Kansas loss. I mean, we could have just fallen flat on our face and instead, you know, we're, we're trending upward. Um, and in the right direction where Texas really isn't. And again, it goes back to, you know, the type of players that you have on your team, the type of leadership that you have. And for whatever reason, you know, Sarkeesian just doesn't seem to have that ability to round the guys up and say, Hey, it's time to buckle down and play football, you know, and just not worry about the noise. Um, And for whatever reason, you know, that Alabama loss for whatever reason, just killed any sort of momentum and energy that football team had. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I mean, you do make a good point. If Quinn yours plays, I mean, who knows? Texas could be three and one or four and oh at this point right now with him healthy all year. Um, but Hey, you know, that that's just part of the game. Everyone has big injuries. We have Charles Woods out and that, that probably changes our record right now too. So everyone's got to deal with injuries 
And um, that's why you make the big bucks. You got to overcome stuff like that. Absolutely. So that's all I got. Um, I, I'm super excited for this game, though. Another night game. Um, I can't remember the last time WVU has had a schedule this exciting. I mean, we have we have three Thursday night games, one at home coming up against Baylor. We had two on the road against big rivals. Now we got a night game in Texas. Um, you know what? You know, Just as a college football fan, so far, this season's been fun for me. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I came into the season really hyped about the season. Um, the pit game really didn't throw me off track. I, I kind of expected us to falter a little bit there just because of so many changes. The Kansas game really killed me, and I'm still kind of reeling from that, you know, personally. Um, you know, I, the Tosin game didn't do anything for me. The Virginia Tech game was like, you know, that's cool. Um, this Texas game, though, is, is one that if we get blown out, it's really going to kind of kill anything that's happened over the past two weeks. Um, but if we win or we keep it close, I, I think that's going to go far enough. Even though Texas does seem like a train wreck, if we would lose a close game in Texas, it wouldn't be the end of the world to me. You know, I'm sure there will be half of Mountaineer Nation who's out with pitchforks again. But um, Texas is still, they, they have a lot of really quality players. They're not a bad football team. Um, they're just a confusing football team. And with confusing football teams, you can lose to those teams close sometimes because they do weird shit. So <laughs> I'll have none of that talk on this podcast. <laughs> WVU <laughs> is going to crush Texas and we're going to go in with a bunch of hype against Baylor and fall flat on our face. And that's the Mountaineer way. <laughs> I'm I mean, going to. Um... Oh, go ahead. No, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, I mean, that's just typically like what we see as Mountaineer fans is oh, we normally sure. get, we normally get so pumped and then we're like, yeah, we're going to get hyped for this huge game and then, you know, get disappointed. But I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm liking our odds. I really am. I think we're going to win this Texas game and I think we're going to be going into that Baylor game with a ton of momentum. I'm, I'm starting to talk myself into it. Yeah, I see that. I, I'm cautiously <laughs> optimistic. Um, I do want to uh, end the podcast with a surprise segment that um, I'm doing just for the consistency because I've talked about it, I think, for the past two podcasts. And I am now officially titling this segment, This Is Not a Kansas Jayhawks Podcast. But Jalen <laughs> Daniel, I mean, 400 yards, five TDs. I mean, he's he's an Eisman conversation, right? The dude's amazing. He really is. I mean, WVU didn't play this past Saturday, so I was flipping between the Kansas Duke game, the TCU, I think, SMU game, and the Baylor-Iowa State game. I was just going between the three, just having fun watching Big 12 football. And I'm not going to lie, like, every anytime I saw Kansas on offense, I would, I would just hang around a little bit longer just to be like, yeah, what's he going to do? Is he going to make some <laughs> incredible play that's going to be on ESPN later? Um, the dude is just fun to watch. I mean, no matter what you want to say about Kansas and honestly, everyone hates Kansas basketball who hates Kansas football. I mean, they're oh, almost no. like <laughs> lovable losers who all of a sudden are four and oh, and you know, it, it's hard to hate them. Like you might, with Texas or Oklahoma. He's fun to watch. Um, I'm interested to see what him and Kansas will do the rest of this year. 
Me too. I mean, and there's two reasons I like talking about Kansas and every single one of the podcast. One is Jalen Daniels is just a really good football player and he's fun to watch. Um, you know, I, I, we mentioned this during the Kansas postgame podcast, but, you know, he just seems like someone who doesn't belong on Kansas. I mean, what else to say it, but Kansas is trending in the right direction. So, um, you know, good for him. And the second reason for always doing this is, you know, WVU needs a quality loss. And I think, you know, if we hype this up enough, Kansas becomes a quality loss. There you go. I see what you're doing now. <laughs> but hey, you know what? The AP doesn't think they're good enough to be top 25, but NC State is. So, you know, it's not a quality loss yet. Well, I'm pretty sure Lee Corso, who has dementia, is probably part of the Associated Press. So, Fair I enough. said it. Everyone's thinking it. <laughs> you're right. Right, Candace Lee. <laughs> Uh, I, I, um, I kind of went from like not being able to stand Lee Corsa, but now he's just like the lovable, insane grandpa of the family <laughs> that you're just like, ah, oh, look at him. He's still doing it. <laughs> Good <laughs> for him. He's still uh, doing it. I love it. All right. All right. We better wrap this up before we get in trouble. We're being a little too loose with it now. It's getting late, guys. We're sorry. Yeah. It's, it's a late night. All right. Um, thanks for listening, guys. If you haven't checked out the VTech recap, go and listen to that real quick. And hopefully we'll be back here next week all hyped up and overhyping our Mountaineers like we do every single year because that's what being a Mountaineer fan is all about. That's right. Let's go Mountaineers. Let's do it. Later, guys. Bye.